elders. So, Jesus mentions in this passage those who hear. Does everyone hear Jesus' words? If Jesus, you're, you're correct, if Jesus is speaking in front of a multitude, sure, everyone hears his words. For instance, if Pastor Joel is up here preaching, he is preaching from the word of God. Of course, he is giving the gospel. We have people within our sanctuary who are unregenerate. Um, perhaps the Father is beginning to draw that person in. The Father, through the Holy Spirit's help, gives illumination, gives understanding to the gospel, to the words of Christ. Only the regenerate person, only the person whose heart is being worked on by God, or uh, a person who already knows the Lord, not the person who is spiritually discerned, these are the people who can hear the words of Christ. Not everyone hears, hears salvifically and responds in the affirmative, responds with obedience the words of Christ. Only those who the Lord is drawing in or has already saved. When thinking about Jesus' words, I want to refer to John 10. Of course, in this passage, we're talking uh, Jesus is talking about the good shepherd, that Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10, 25 through 28, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you don't believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. In other words, friends, those who come to Christ because they're drawn by Christ are those who hear. And what do they hear? They hear the words of Christ. It's, it's, it's a miracle because we can't hear Christ for purposes of salvation without God's intervention. It is not something that happens in our own strength. The flesh is no help at all. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So those who come hear. Those who hear obey how they follow Christ. So those who obey Christ are in Christ. They have a, a, a foundation of salvation that can't be shaken. No one can snatch them out of the Father's hand or the Son's hand. Conversely, when the waters of judgment come, there is another foundation that will not survive. Thinking about the foundations of the trailer homes that I mentioned a little bit ago. And this, of course, is if there is one foundation of salvation that is built upon Christ that's impenetrable, where no one can be snatched from the Father's hand. Conversely, there's another foundation that will not be safe. This is a foundation that is not built upon Christ. And this could be referring to a person where uh, a person may acknowledge Christ with their lips, but they deny them with their hearts. In vain they worship Christ. They hear Jesus' words, but there is no desire to obey. There is no ability to obey. Why? Because they don't know Christ. Their hearts aren't regenerate. Their hearts, their hearts are still those hearts that are made of stone and they're callous, and they hate the things of God. They are incapable 
of hearing salvifically the words of Christ, obeying the words of Christ, they have other reasons, possibly, in that multitude, if we're speaking about the multitude, the people that Christ was speaking to, perhaps that, um, well, I know for a fact, within the multitude there were disciples and there, there were people who didn't know Christ. So, knowing that, knowing that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, knowing that Jesus is speaking to the multitude which contained people who were maybe following him for physical, tangible reasons. I'm hungry. Turn some more uh, fish into many fish. Turn some more bread into many loaves of bread. I want to be fed, right, um, with actual bread and actual fish, not by the words of God. So Jesus in this aspect, if disciples were there, then this pericope of the wise and foolish builder, it must also be talking about discipleship. Salvation, discipleship. So if Jesus is speaking to this multitude and he begins with the famous words, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you, this is the same sentiment that we hear in James. Can anyone turn to James chapter one for me? James chapter one and have somebody read, if they could, 22 through 23. Again, we're talking about discipleship. We're talking about obedience. Because again, I think Jesus very succinctly broaches two topics and covers them both, salvation and discipleship. James 1, 22 through 23. No, sir, that's wonderful. Thank you, Ted. So, we're, we're talking about obedience here. We're talking about being doers of the word. And this passage in James describes the proper disciple who not only listens to the word, but does what it says. And I've read that in both the Hebrew and the Greek, very interestingly enough, that the verbs for hear are very close related to the word obey. In other words, what this is saying here is we, not, we have not truly heard the words of Christ until we have obeyed the words of Christ. It is possible for your children to hear your words and not obey, right? Very possible. Very possible in the realm of parenting. It's also very possible. Our, yeah, exactly. Well, I remember uh, there was a coach that I worked with who's kids were younger, and you've heard this before, but it was the first time that I heard this, and um, she goes, you heard what I tell you, slow obedience is still disobedience. Have y'all heard that before? I say delayed obedience. Delayed obedience, yeah, that's right. So, again, the person who truly hears is the person who obeys. So, Dennis are you telling me that unless I obey Christ as a true follower of Christ, that my house will be ruined and it'll also be great looking back at the passage? But the one who hears 
and does not do them is like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. The ruin of his house was great. Dennis, are you telling me that unless I obey Christ, the ruin of my house will be great too? Absolutely, yes. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be, if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, we already covered that you cannot be snatched from the Father's hand. What is this talking about? Well, there was an old pastor who used to, whenever he would teach, and it was interesting because this was before I had my second conversion, right? We know what I mean by that, to reform theology. And he was the only one at this Southern Baptist church who was a professing Calvinist. And he used to always mention um, of being taken out to the woodshed by the Lord. What does that mean? Who can tell me, maybe you've heard your grandparents say this before, I'm gonna take you out to the woodshed, right? You're gonna get a whooping, okay? Go get me a switch, right? Okay. And my grandmother used to tell me all the time to go get a switch, um, again, because of my delayed obedience or my disobedience. It still works, amen. It wasn't, no, it wasn't a video game. So, thinking about this context here, the ruin of the house was great. Beloved, you cannot lose your salvation, but there is something called the heavy hand of discipline by the Lord. Hebrews 12, 10 through 11. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. What's the author of Hebrews talk, talking about there? Earthly fathers. But he disciplines us, who? God, for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. Obedience is important. Okay, the wise builder in this context is not only the person who builds their salvation around Christ and Christ alone, through grace alone, but also the person who obeys Christ. Obedi obedience to Christ matters. And if it were not so, Jesus wouldn't have said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, having a foundation of salvation built upon Christ alone, that is the only way the ruin of the house will not be great. It's impenetrable. The person who builds their life on Christ alone is safe in the Father's hand and in the Son's hand. But also... Man, I have 10 minutes, this is crazy. But also, the person who obeys Christ, the person who truly hears is the person who obeys. So Jesus ends the Sermon on the Plain, and then he is in contact with a centurion in chapter seven through, not the centurion, but through other people. Let's look at this passage very quickly. So news about Jesus was spreading all over, still. Jesus taught with authority. He healed. People have already heard about the leper. We've already studied that. The man with the, the, the withered hand, we've already looked at that, as well as um, the paralytic. And at the beginning of chapter 7, we're told that a certain unnamed centurion heard about Christ, about his power to heal people. And we know that because the centurion sends people 
to find Christ. And the people that he sends, believe it or not, were Jews. That, sh- that, that, that's, that should be odd to you. It was odd to me. Centurions were Gentiles. They were Romans. Okay? But yet, this centurion had friends who were Jewish elders that he sent them to find Christ. Okay? That's very interesting. Now, let's read this in chapter 7 to understand this context a little bit more. After he had finished all of his sayings, he finished up his sermon, and the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death and was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And whenever they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation. He is the one who built our synagogue. Okay, who built the synagogue? The centurion. Who went ahead of the centurion to find Christ? The Jews. Again, we have a bond of love that is mutual here between the Jews. The Jews loved this Roman official. This Roman official loved the Jews so much that he built their synagogue for them. Again, this is very strange. This is very odd. And it's very interesting to me, and it it harkens back to what Jesus says a little bit earlier in Luke where he says, But I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. We had this love between two different cultures, two different nations, and it's, it's a beautiful image of loving those who, you, who are your enemies, doing good to those who curse you. But that's just one point. That's just one thing that we see in this passage. The other thing that I don't want to skip over is the fact that Jesus healed this servant. Look with me back in the text. The Jews go to find Jesus. Did Jesus have the power and the authority where he was then at that moment to not follow the friends back to their home, but to heal? Absolutely. But Jesus goes anyways. All right, so Jesus goes with the friends. Verse six, and Jesus went with them when he was not far from the house. The centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For two, I am a met set under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. What was going, what was, a, what was a centurion saying at this point? Jesus, I know that you have authority over all things. I know that you have authority even to not come and physically lay hands on this man to heal him, even though you have before. But you just say, go to this disease, go to this illness. You have the power and the authority over all things to make it be so, just as I have authority over my servants and my soldiers. And what was Jesus' response? 
Did Jesus say, thank you for having faith in me. Now I am able to heal your servant. Is our amount of faith, is it important? Yes. Is our amount of faith the mover that causes the Lord to heal? Do we, hear, do we not hear this? Whenever my mom had cancer, she was very mistaken. She, I remember going to the hospital, and you know, this is whenever uh, she just received word that she had cancer and that it was bad, and she had, um, the doctor said, with chemo, you would have you know, about two more years on this earth. Fast forward with chemotherapy and radiation, she, the Lord took her in about four months. But she would tell me all the time, son, I, I have enough faith. I have faith that my God is gonna heal me. If I, if I just have enough faith, I know that I'm gonna get through this. So it was a very, it was a good, it was a good thing because it, 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 the Lord gave me an opportunity to have this difficult conversation with my mom that her faith and trust in God is important, but it's not her faith and trust in God that heals her. And maybe you've heard about that with other denominations in Christianity who their amount of faith is the thing that heals them, and whenever they're not healed, whose fault is it? Theirs, because they didn't have enough faith. Friends, I know this is the truth because of the story that follows in chapter seven. We have the story of a sick servant from the centurion. The centurion had faith that marveled Christ. Christ says, I've never seen so much faith in all my days. And a lot of people would look at this passage if they didn't continue reading, and they'd be like, wow, Jesus healed because of the faith of the centurion. No, friends, Jesus healed because he is God, and it was God's will for that man to be healed. Let's look at the next passage. This was concerning a widow's son. Jesus leaves that town. He goes to another town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near, I'm in verse 12, as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and he touched the bier, which is a coffin, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up. That would be wild, would it not? And began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, rightly so, and they glorified God. When thinking about the faith of the centurion, and it was a great thing, and we should all aspire to have that kind of faith. Billy Graham said one time in a sermon, like, I desire to have this amount of faith like the centurion. Like, it's a good thing to have that much faith in the Lord and trust in the Lord whenever you're experiencing life difficulties. 
But then you look at this widow in the, in the following passage. Did she have any faith that was mentioned? Do we even know that she even heard of Christ? Was anyone advocating to Christ on behalf of the son who died, like Lazarus and his sisters, who pleaded with the Lord, Lord, if you were only here earlier, you could have helped. If you're only here earlier, you could have saved. Was anyone advocating for this young man that had died for the widow? Absolutely not. Is there any mention of faith with the widow? Absolutely not. What does Christ do anyways? He makes the man rise again. It's not the amount of faith that heals. It is not the amount of faith that causes the miracle. It is a good and gracious God and according to his will, which he does everything according to the counsel of his own will, Ephesians 1.11, it was because of these two reasons that the centurion's servant was healed and lived and because of the widow's son was healed risen from the dead it is according to his will god and god alone it is for his glory god and god alone that these things happen i've had to speed up so i am going through my little notes here bear with me so thinking about your salvation again the lord heals your spiritual disease and he raises you to new life, not because of your merit, not because you're a good person, but because of his goodness, because of his mercy that he lavishes upon you. He heals your spiritual disease. He raises you to new life because of him, not because of the amount of faith that you have. Whenever we are faithless, what is he? Faithful, amen. So if you're in Christ, the only reason you have this foundation on the rock is because God had you in mind before the foundation of the world. Because his son, the only innocent man ever to live, took God's wrath for you. By his spirit, he called you as one of his sheep. You heard him because he made you hear him, and you obeyed, giving you the gift of faith, giving you the gift of repentance. And you are right now obedient to him and following him because of him because he enables you to do that by his spirit so friends what i'm hoping that we leave here today as far as the sunday school hour is we 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 give glory to god because he has given us new life he has healed our spiritual disease we are in christ because it is all of him and his mercy for his glory and our good that these things happen. Whenever it comes to discipleship, obedience is important. That cannot be mistaken. But even God helps us to obey, enabling us to do so by his spirit. We can have victory over sin. Whenever it comes to Jesus' healing, the amount of faith is important. Like it's a good thing that's pleasing to God, but it's not the amount of faith that heals people today back then it was the same so glory be to god the father the son and the spirit let's pray father we come to you today father thanking you for the work that you have done in our lives father all glory is given to you and to you alone for 
healing our spiritual disease, for even making us aware of our sin, that we would desperately cry out as the tax collector did, have mercy upon me, O God, a sinner. Father, you've given us the gifts of faith, given us the gift of repentance. Father, for our own sanctification, Lord, we know that obedience is important, and you even help us do that by enabling us to obey.